But it looks to me like you're just going to have to be a group of one and show them how it's done. You got a problem with that? No, ma'am. That's me talking to my mother as I'm telling her how this went down. You see, I'm stuck at this new school that she's made me go to, and it's my senior year. And it's a school where they already have their cliques established, and I am stuck in a team of one to get a huge paper done for my English advanced placement class. This is Michelle Spiva, and I want to welcome you to today's podcast of Wisdom Smacked. So come on and join me on the flip as I explore what it means to be a leader of one. I actually had the nerve to be whistling, whistle while you work, while I'm stuck crawling around in the back, back side of the high school library, looking for books on feudal England. Feudal England? Really? Yeah, that was me stuck doing the turn paper that nobody wanted to do in my English AP class. And as I said before, I was moved by my mother when she moved to a new school. I had been at my previous school my entire life. And this is the first time, not only am I at a new school, but I'm at a new school with white people. Yes, I grew up in an all-black town, and this was my first time really interacting with them. And being in advanced placement meant that I was the only fly in that buttermilk. But yet, my mother had reminded me that, hey, she didn't raise followers. She always raised leaders. And she was like, if you're going to be in the group of one, then be in it. The way this class had been set up was in this particular semester, we had to be able to uh, turn in a turn paper. And you know what? Now that I'm remembering it, y'all, I made a mistake. It wasn't my English class. It was my history class. Yes, my history class. And so people had already grouped up. And from what I can understand, they'd always been in these groups. And the teacher, I remember his name now, uh, he allowed it. And that meant that because I was the noob kid added into the class, I gave them an odd number, which meant that, yeah, I was in my own group, but it was okay. So back to the library. I'm down there whistling, whistle while you work and getting the volumes that I need to be able to to knock this out. And I'm uh, armed with my mother's mantra of I'm a leader, not a follower, and I am doing my thing. Lo and behold, someone <laughs> comes around the corner. It's like, let me help you with that. It's a guy's voice. I'm like, what? I get up and I'm trying to pick up these uh, large books that basically they were table table books, huge books, illustrated and all this kind of stuff. Encyclopedias and appendices and all of this about uh, England during this time. And I look around and not only is it a guy, it is wait for it. You just can't, you can't make this stuff up. It's the captain of the football team. Yes. The captain of the football team. I remember his name. I'm not going to call it, but I'm like, what are you doing over here? And he's like, Oh, I was looking for you. It's like, why? He was like, uh, I just wanted to make sure you had, uh, you know, some help. I'm like why? And you know, he goes through and I keep asking why. And my, my grandmother had always taught me this. She was like, if, if someone asks you a question, you don't want to answer. You ask them a question back to qualify it. Like, why do you want to know that? Well, um, 
I wanted to know why he was back there. And I could probably figure out that he didn't have a grandmother teaching him how to evade uh, probing questions. So I put my little baby Socrates on him and I kept asking why, why, why? And I finally got down to it. He was like, you seem so cool that I basically want to get to know you. That's what it came down to. So now, yes, this could have been straight out of a teen movie because he was dating, you guessed it, the captain of the cheerleading twins team who was also in this class and I remember her name and her little friends too and I could hear them in the background and so I actually was like you know why don't you go on back up there with your friends and stuff he's like no I'm gonna gonna help you they're cool and uh so I was like okay I'm not trying to get in trouble in this small Louisiana town I was like how about this I'll carry what I can and you can carry those two over there and I just gave him two of the, the large books he was like cool so To make that story short, I came to find out that it wasn't because everybody was in their groups. It was because I intimidated them and they sent the strongest of their group to come around and try to make friends with me. Because after that, I went on to leave them. Yes, like I said, you can't write this stuff. I became the editor of the newspaper. I was on the yearbook staff. I got all the coveted positions. And it was because of how I handled myself when it seemed like I was the odd person out. And so today, I'm going to be talking about how to be a leader of one. There is this book that I I, I read uh, last year when it came out in, um, well, was it last year? A couple of years. I think it was a couple of years ago. And it's called Extreme Leadership. Now, if you don't have this book, you need this book. And this book to me is um, a, a foundational book of integrity and how to self-regulate and how to keep yourself accountable. I can think of, well, you know what? I'm going to go on and, and mention it. In an earlier podcast, I talked about a book. I, I kind of glossed over it, but it's called The Four Tendencies, and it's by Gretchen Rubin. And it talks about the four types of people. Now, the good thing is, is I'm getting a lot of people coming back to me and sending me notes about, yeah, I took the test and I found out I'm an obliger or, or a questioner or a rebel or an upholder, and it's really helping me. And I'm really grateful for the feedback that you guys are giving me. And oh, by the way, uh, you can go to... Uh, uh, anchorfm.com forward slash Michelle dash five forward slash support. I know that's a lot to be said, isn't it? And you can leave me a message and I can um, respond to it because uh, there have been people asking me, well, what if I want to ask you a question for advice? You can definitely do that. I'm all down with it. So do that. Or you can send me something in the comments and, and I'll check it out. So anyway, I am uh, at this um Uh, at this school and I'm leading myself. I'm not worried about everybody else because guess what? My mama told me, don't worry about nobody else. Worry about yourself. But when you are leading yourself, someone's always watching. Someone's always watching. So fast forward to adulthood. And I have led this life of uh, a leader of one. Um, now, I do know, and the reason why I mentioned Gretchen's book is now I know that I am more so a questioner, which means that I don't necessarily have to um, 
be ob- uh, obliged to someone else to get something done. Case in point, I exercise by myself. I am, I mean, I'll do it with others, but that's not going to make or break me. And if I want to exercise, I'm waiting around for somebody. I'm going to go on and do it. Uh, I don't need people to, to hold me accountable to do what I said I was going to do for the most part. Now, likewise, if I don't want to exercise, I don't care if it's a team of snipers out there, I'm not doing it. You know, unless they give me a good reason why, you know, so there's that. But with all of that, the thing that is the big wisdom smack for me is that when you are doing what you need to to lead yourself, it opens up a whole new realm, a whole new dimension of being able to be your truest self. So The book, Leader of One, I like it because um, the two seals, uh, Jocko Willick and uh, Leif Babin. Yeah. Uh, And I'll put the link. Yeah, I'll put the link in the description. Uh, Well, a lot of it is Jocko talking, but uh, Leif has some stuff too. And they are, um, they go through seals training and their colleagues and all this stuff. Uh, But I I notice how they um, become trainers or what do you call them? Uh, Well, yeah, I'll just say trainers and SEALs, uh, buzz training and all that kind of stuff. And they talk about their observations of how people behave during those. And they give one that I really liked in the book. And like I said, I'm not going to tell you all the book. I want you to enjoy it for yourself. And it's a great read. But they talk about this one team that uh, is not doing well. And consistently, they come in last. They they get all the punitive uh, marks and all this stuff. And the, the natural leader is getting angry, more and more angry by the day or days to the point where it's just, it kind of becomes toxic. So what they do is is they take the guy who is leading the best team and they want to just see how it goes. They kind of know how it's going to come out, but they want to see how it goes. So they take the guy from the best team and they take the guy from the worst team and they switch them. The guy from the worst team is like, yeah, because I need to show y'all what I can do and blah, blah, blah. And I'm this and I'm that. And they're like, okay, fine. So they switch off and all of a sudden the guy from the worst team with the best team, they start falling behind. Now, the first couple of days, they continue to do okay, but they start to sink. And wouldn't you know it, the team that was the last starts to become the team that was the f- that is the first. One of the big takeaways from that was that it wasn't in the guy's leadership. It was in the guy's ownership. And I looked at that and I was like, that's what it is. When I was growing up, my grandparents and my mother, they never told me to try to lead others. They wanted me to lead myself. They, my, Like I said, I've if you've been listening to this podcast, you've heard these stories of how I grew up. You've heard these anecdotes and all of these things. And my mother used to drill into us. And one of her famous sayings was, your decisions should never make anybody else have to sacrifice, suffer, or make adjustments. You make it work. You decided you wanted to do this. And little did I know, that was teaching me how to take ownership for my own crap, ownership for who I was. And thus, I was going through my own little mini uh, SEALs camp of extreme ownership. Because when I got into that a- that AP class, all of my classes were AP, and uh, I sat there and saw how everybody had already linked up and I'm sitting here by myself and Mr. Warner, I'm 
forgive me, I shouldn't say his name. God bless you wherever you are, sir. Uh, allow this to happen. I took it as an affront. Like, oh, they don't want me in their teens. Well, fine. That's fine. Because I own my soul. I'll do what I need to. And like I said, I'm down there in the stacks whistling whistle while you were <laughs> doing my stuff. And uh, I ended up becoming friends with these kids who were, quote unquote, the popular kids. Um, I wasn't trying to um, be uh, go and do a campaign for them. Um, but what I did remember in hindsight is that my mother always said she was like, true leadership is not about you leading others. It's about you being able to lead yourself when everybody else is doing something else. She said a benefit could be that if you get up and walk in another direction and folks start following you, you better be leading them to the right to the right place. And and I remember that. I remembered her talking about the responsibility. Now, she did couch this in 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 ways that only a black mother in the south could. She was like, "Do you think it's easy for me getting up and leading five well, at the time, well, no, she had she had my little brother. She said, "Do you think it's easy for me getting up every day and knowing that I'm responsible for six little mouths, six people that are dependent on me to make the right decision?" She's like, "No," she says. But the thing is, is I first have to make sure that I'm there for myself, and that because I gotta make sure I'm there for myself. I got to make sure I'm there for y'all. She, like I said, she had a weird way of looking for looking at things, and she. I didn't realize it until I was a, an adult that she was healthier than a lot of people out there because of her contrarian views. I'm going to say my mother was a rebellion, re, rebeller. I'm just going to say it. <laughs> um, but she would say things like, I love you out of the excess, the excess love I have for myself. She was like, I'm going to love myself. I'm going to make sure that I do right by y'all, but it's going to be out of the love I have for myself. You know, therefore, I didn't necessarily, we didn't make a lot, but I didn't see my my mother um, being torn down and all that kind of stuff. And maybe it was because of my grandmother who had kind of sort of fallen into that for a little while. And she used to always tell my mother and us, never be a make do woman. Never just make do. She says, because your family is always going to make sure that they do for themselves first. So don't you be a make-do woman. Now, I know I'm spouting a lot of family wisdom at y'all, but I definitely want to say something about being a leader of one. There are many nuances and finesses that you can use on this and why it's so important. Because in today's world, and there is truly nothing new under the sun, but the way people are finessing things, you'll be a follower and not even realize it. There is this uh, mantra that I hold in my heart because I am always trying to remember who I am through my meditations, my prayers, my practices, looking for my patterns. And I'm going to be talking to you guys about um, one of the tricks I learned from a book that I got when I was trying to start to teach myself how to write. That's really cool uh, in another podcast. So, you know, keep listening. Um, But he does talk about memory. And he talks about looking for patterns and it's a great way to look at it. So I'm going to be talking about that in another podcast. But today, what I want to take away from that is that if you are going to keep your sanity, if you're going to keep some type of holistic version of who you are, where you can reach for it and make yourself happy, you're going to have to remember this. And that is ownership is true leadership. And that's what I like that these guys got right about that book, Extreme Ownership. They could have called it leadership, but they called it ownership. 
when I uh, started uh, studying um, about Egyptian uh, e- Egyptian antiquities and and things for a book project that I thought I was going to write, I uh, I didn't go down the rabbit hole, but I did go down a lot into research, and I found something that was really great. Uh, they uh, talked about how throughout all of this time they have yet to unearth a jail or a prison for people. Now that's during, you know, the times of the Kings and stuff. Now, I don't know. I'm not saying that they didn't have them. I'm just saying that they have not found the ruins of them where they'll say the archeologists, normally when they find a society of some sort, there is evidence of some place to put unruly people. But the the better thing that I liked about this is that when you when when the archaeologists and the um, the great minds who look at these uh, past civilizations look, they look at a, a difference in the approach of this African um, great nation, and they talked about how the kings and the queens and the rulers t- uh, taught the people to own yourself. Own your own crap. And what they did was is they touted personal governance as opposed to rulership. That was so eye-opening for me. Now, this this is before I read Extreme Ownership. It's kind of like when you get into a certain vein, you start to get uh, more information. It's funny how the world and life does that for you. But okay, so I have my mother always teaching me, you're a leader, not a follower. If nothing else, lead yourself. Uh, She's also teaching me, own your crap. Whatever you decide to do shouldn't cause anybody else to have to suffer for you to be able to do it. Um, My grandmother's teaching things like, never be a make-do woman. Always make sure that you take care of yourself. And then because of my mother's um, teachings about being um, a leader and not a follower, you know, she would allude to something that became my motto and my mantra for a while. And that was on this earth, I did not come to build anybody else's dream but mine. And I didn't know that that was um, an entrepreneurial call from me as a kid. Remember, you guys, I've told you that my sister and I started our first business when I was nine and she was 12, mowing lawns. And we got so good at it that we caused a grown-up landscaping company to lose business. Yeah. And um, going through and learning how to work, learning the, the work ethic of showing up on time, being prepared and ready to be engaged. Now, I'm not going to tell you I never goofed off. I, I, I'm not going to lie. I'm just not going to do that. This is human nature. But what I am going to say is all of these things of learning to self-govern instead of having to have the punitive uh, power of rulership over me really helped. And I have to, you know, thank, thank the powers that be that I grew up in a society where it was about government as opposed to rulership or a monarchy. So I'm thankful for that. At that particular time, that's what I needed. And so growing up and gathering out, you know, all of those things. And it got to the point, it got to the point where, and, um, and I'm, I'm hopping back to my high, my last year of high school, it got to the point where I had to look at the craziness of this. You know, this was still at a time where the school, I mean, I remember one of my first articles for this paper 
was fighting the Confederate flag. They actually had the Confederate flag and Johnny Rebel as their mascot. And I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? And they let me do it. And um, I've talked about Miss Carol. I like to give her a shout out who taught me how to uh, write as a journalist and, and find the lead. And I've talked about that in another um, podcast. Uh, she was like, you know what? You're bold enough to do it. And, and she always told me I had charisma. She was like, you have so much charisma. And you know what? I'm going to be talking about, you know, what is your seductive pers- persona? I'm going to talk about that. Uh, not today, but in another one as well. But what I wanted to mention today, when you become a leader of one, it's not about the quote unquote leading as much as the, it's the owning. You see, there is a, um, a gift and a curse locked into the power of, of freedom. Um, I could tell you the philosophical bent on it. I could talk about uh, how the great thinkers viewed freedom and how Maslow dealt with it to try to help people in his famous Maslow's hierarchy of need. I could talk about um, Franck uh, when he was writing about the meaning of man uh, as a Holocaust victim in Nazi Germany and um, how he found the true meaning and the freedoms that he had and, and, and how he could ex- exercise them. I could talk about all that kind of stuff. But for the sake of time today, what we're going to talk about is I'm going to give you a nugget. A couple of years back, I did a 30-day Leader of One, where I um, put up little videos of what I was doing that day and how I led myself. And I should have called it owner of one. And I think when I do my next one, I'm going to do that. What I was reminded of and got a new, fresh and and more nuanced and uh, advanced understanding is that ownership of yourself brings with it profound revelation of your personal calling, um, of your passion, if you're looking for that, and so many other things. Because when you own you, you own your crap, you start to see your patterns, you start to see your shadows. And by the way, shadows and shadow work, don't try to do away with them. They're part of you and they're there for a reason to teach you. But owning yourself, owning yourself is is a big deal. And it's something that you don't conquer. It's something that shapes you and and molds you. It's like uh, having your own calisthenics gym for your mind, your soul, your spirit, when you are constantly trying to own who you are. Because you not only have to own your good stuff, you have to own your bad stuff. You have to own your tendencies, your shortcomings. You have to own your giftings. You have to own your freedom. And that's the thing. We have the freedom to do just about anything. Now, there are consequences, but we can definitely do it. And a lot of people have a problem with the weight of freedom because when you own yourself, the buck stops here. Uh, going back to when I was researching and, and, and understanding a little bit more about the government um, in ancient times in Egypt, Each person was responsible for self-governance. That put a lot of weight of personal freedom. That's where they say the golden rule uh, was really honed and sharpened to do unto others as you would have them do unto you or, you know, you know, done for yourself. And it's because people had to now start to realize what they were willing to put up with and the level they were willing to operate at. 
So now I know I'm hopping all over the place, but I want to go back to the extreme ownership uh, book. And I, I want to tout the the fact that when the guys were talking about their ownership, they, they took it from the field to the corporate offices. They talked about leaders and what leaders could do. Uh, lead by owning your own stuff. Lead by taking on the... Um, all the ramifications of what that meant. Because when you go, when you move from trying to lead someone to trying, to not trying, to owning yourself and propelling yourself, that means that you're going to be correcting as you go. And you're going to do it in a way where it inspires other instead of forces others. See, that's what happened when I was in that class because I was owning my own crap, knowing that the box, buck stopped there, that I was the sovereign of the land called Michelle. It became a beacon to these other folks. So like I said, not only was it that they weren't trying to exclude me, they were just scared. They didn't know how to approach me. And they would even say, you, you have such a strong personality. You know who you are. You know what you want. And I, I would tell them, I was like, you can do that too. And I want to give a shout out to my parents because I thought everybody's pa- uh, ch- uh, parents talked to their kids like that. And they were like, no. So much so that some of them had the audacity to try to see if they could come and sit at my mom's feet. And she would just laugh. She's like, baby, I ain't got time for that. I got to go to work. She said, you can tell them what I said. You know, something. <laughs> So so flippant. That was my mother. God love her. (laughs) So um, I would have never thought in a million years that I would be uh, in the circle of the movers and shakers of a new school in less than a year because I got there in the, uh, the second part of my junior year and just tried to navigate things to get my bearings. But when, um, by the time we came back after, um, um, break for this for that semester. Oh, I could start to see that I was ruling some stuff, and um, and it like I said, it wasn't because I went on some kind of campaign to win people over. Now, of course, you want people to like you, but if they don't, you still got to deal with it. I was determined to make sure that I lived my life and I owned my crap and I led myself. And as my my mother said, you'll know if you're a leader. She said, if you get up and you go in a direction and people start following you, you're a natural born leader. But don't you lead them to no place crazy. That, that was the way she put it. So let me let me bring this back around and tie all this stuff together to be a leader of one means that you go inward. The answers are inward. I know we say that all the time, but you have a, a, a wisdom that is ancient. Scientists have even proven that we have particles in our body from the stars from trillions of years ago. Each one of us, no matter what, each one of us. And that should let you know that there is a repository of wisdom and knowledge and understanding and foreshadow and intuition and all those things that you need to be able to get yourself together. Um, I uh, ran across the Napoleon uh, Bonaparte uh, quote that's uh, attributed to him about religion. And uh, I, I meditated on it the other day when I saw it again. I was like, wow, okay. And it goes like this. It's, uh, it's attributed to Bonaparte. And it says that um, uh, religion was created to keep the poor from, from murdering the rich. 
And I thought about that and I looked at the patterns of that. And I I looked at when people fall into despair and into drudgery, into poverty, in into slavery and all of these different things, a lot of times they can't uh, see their way through it. And so they create or cling to a higher being who is able to lead them and guide them and even take ownership of them to get them out of it. And so faith is a powerful vehicle. And so for if you're listening to this and you're like, how do I own myself? How do I lead myself? If you can't figure out that, have faith in yourself. Have faith. And I'm not slamming religion. Oh, don't don't send me hate mail. Don't you at me. I am I told you what Napoleon said. I didn't say that. I'm just saying that I'm I'm showing you how people from different walks of life who who have been in diverse uh situations, uh drudgery and and the, and the no the hope hopelessness, how they have use their faith to build a ladder to get them out of it, and then use that faith to uh, imbue themselves with power. So there's so much you can do. But if I can't leave you with anything else, is this. The wisdom smack is this. Own and then lead. Own your crap, then you lead yourself. Don't worry about anybody else. Own your crap and lead yourself. And take care of those who are under you, whether it be family, friends, or children. Definitely do that. The next thing I want to say is there is a difference between rulership and governance. Governance is about you doing what's right. Rulership is usually an authority over you, forcing you to do what's right, or using fear tactics of power to make you do what's right. Even in your, your religious relationship, if that's what it is, understand that most religions are here to teach you how to govern, self-govern instead of ruling over you, most of them. And then the last thing I want to say is, is when you get up to do your leading, don't concern yourself with if other people are following you. Because there is the weight of freedom at hand. Freedom is heavy. And if you use your time self-governing, leading yourself, and operating in your freedom, you're not going to have time to be trying to uh, lead anybody else. But if you do it right, they will follow you. Your light will shine. And they will want a piece of that. So guess what? My time is up and I sure do want to thank you for yours. This has been Michelle Spiva with today's podcast of Wisdom Smack. You know what to do. Like it, share it, rate, review it, comment on it, and also support us. Thank you for continuing to do it, you guys. Every day when you go to Amazon, support us. Go to our link, michellespiva.com forward slash AMZ for all of your Amazon shopping. And I thank you. And that's going to do it for today's podcast of Wisdom Smack with Michelle Spiva. If you like this podcast, please help us get the word out. Like, comment, subscribe, and even share. And if you really like it, please help us continue to get the word out by considering using this show's link for Amazon. So when you want to go to Amazon and you do all of your general shopping, 
uh, please use michellespiva.com forward slash AMZ. It's simple as that. It doesn't cost you anything extra. And this show might receive a little bit of commission that will go towards helping to further get these episodes out to you and to others. So thank you so much for listening. This has been Michelle Spiva with Wisdom Smack. Bye.